Welcome again to Conversations Different, a Santa Fe, New Mexican podcast focusing on the interesting people of northern New Mexico. My name is Inez Russell Gomez, opinions editor for the newspaper. Today, I am really excited to talk to artist Pola Lopez. She's a Las Vegas, New Mexico native who followed her dream and became an artist, eventually participating in contemporary Hispanic market here, running galleries, and in 2003, moving to Los Angeles to get to the heart of the Chicano art movement. Now Pola is back in New Mexico. She and members of the Three Sisters Collective recently painted a mural, Shards of Our Stories, on Hickox and Baca Street. It is stunning, vivid, full of color, red and a sea of browns. After seeing it, I really wanted to talk to Pola. We both grew up in Las Vegas and both left New Mexico to pursue our passions. And eventually, here we are, back in New Mexico. Now, we're meeting in person for the very first time. Or at least that I can remember, because who knows, maybe we met in Las Vegas when we were kids. Anyway, welcome, Pola. I want to talk uh, about how you decided to become an artist, because that story is just fascinating and really speaks to a time that a lot of people have forgotten happened in Las Vegas and at West Las Vegas High School where you were a student. So what happened? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Inez. Oh, it's so good to have you. <laughs> it's nice to be here. Um, uh, you want to know where it all started? It all started back in high school in mm -hmm. 1972. Um, it was kind of the height of the Chicano movement in L.A. and other places. And uh, I was a senior in high school, and the Brown Berets took over my high school. That's and they were sleeping in the gym and painting murals in our courtyard of our high school. So uh, the school board said, don't come to school. We're being taken over. <laughs> so, of course, so you were occupied land. We were occupied yeah. and they were uh, afraid of the brown berets and, you know, these new Chicanos. And I didn't know what a Chicano was, you know. Right. And so uh, out of curiosity, I went to see what they were doing. And so you also, didn't follow the rule? Oh, immediately broke the rule. <laughs> and uh, because I had always loved art and we didn't have an art curriculum in our school, I was also curious about what they were, the murals that they were painting. So I immediately went down to see what they were doing. And uh, it was the Leba brothers, okay. uh, Sam Leba. Um, they had a group of muralists called... Uh, the Guadalupanos Atzlan. They used to paint murals in Santa Fe. Right. They were originally from Santa Fe. And they painted murals at Highlands. And uh, they were given our courtyard to paint during oh, wow. the takeover because the Brambury's also took over Highlands University, the office of the president. Yeah. So um, they were painting these spectacular images that I had never seen before, um, like pyramids and farm workers and... Uh, Dansantes, Aztec dancers, yeah. and um, I didn't know what it was about, but I could feel the power of the imagery, and they explained to me what it was all about, and our roots, you know, to Mexico, our connection to Mexico, and what they were fighting for, and it just opened up my mind and my eyes. And it's sort of not funny, but think about it, you're at a school, the West Las Vegas Dons. Dance. Which is, you know, going back to the supposed Spanish heritage and to the, you know, the colonial days when you were dons and donas sitting in your courtyard fanning yourself, 
And now all of a sudden you had Chicanos confronting that. Uh, Yes, that was right. Uh, We were leaning more towards the Hispanic history that Mm -hmm. we grew up with, that Spanish colonial latitude, but uh, always denying our indigenous and our Mexican ties, you know, our roots to Mexico. New Mexico was Mexico once, but we weren't taught that history in school. So, um, yes, I was uh, surprised to know that Chicanos were coming up and that they were very political, which I also liked, and outspoken, and um, using art as a way to communicate their message to people was very powerful. And that's what I walked away with, like, wow, this is... This is so profound and powerful. This is what I want to do. And um, so I say, I thank Sam Leba. I saw him a few months ago oh, nice. at the museo here in Santa Fe. And I thanked him for uh, influencing me when I was that age. I mean, he was only like four years older than me or yeah, something. Yeah, because he had to have been young. Because yeah, I, I was... interviewed him like in the 80s and 90s for different stories. Yeah. And he was still a power. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was, they were very young but yeah. uh, and fearless, but uh, I thanked him for for influencing me to go directly into art. I, my art became my path immediately after I graduated high school that year. So, and it's been through all my life. I've worked my whole life as an artist. That's hard. I mean, because not many people can make a living, succeed, and, you know, be in as many galleries and museums and all the things that you've accomplished. How did you do that? Oh, I mean, you're talented, obviously, but it takes a lot of different factors coming together. Yeah. Well, yeah. when I say it's my path, it's really my spiritual path. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it's not easy. There's no roadmap. Like people ask me, what's the secret to your success? And I'm like, there's no there's no secret. There's no map. There's no I can't give you a direction. It's unique to everyone. All I know is that you have to live your art. You have to make a major commitment to it. And you have to have the desire and the passion to live it. And I just believe that spirit takes care of me. So I just live my art and I'm true to my my inspiration. And things happen. Things just fall in my path and mm-hmm. things happen. Everything I've done through my whole career, it's all come to me. I don't really go out looking for it. You're ready because you've done the work. And you've got the ideas and the creativity, mm-hmm. and then something will happen to, to yeah. progress you through. And I don't have expectations. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing my art. And um, I think it's a gift, you know, and that you should honor that gift. But I do have two rules. Okay. Don't judge it. Don't judge it. It's good or bad or anything. Just accept it for what it is and just enjoy it. Because if yes. you don't enjoy it, then you're not putting good energy into it. And that's the energy people walk away with when they view your art. Right. Because when you, I mean, if you're a good artist or not even, I'm not even talking about skills, but the the artists that I find I connect with, you feel something when you look at their pieces. Yes. That's what's important. That somebody walks away feeling something or waking up to some message or something. Um, So if you're not enjoying it, your viewer's not going to enjoy it. That's and right. It needs to be fun. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't want to be a struggling artist or a suffering artist when I don't, I'm not that type of artist. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. And you liked color ever since you were little. Mm-hmm. And I love the story about you're in the corner in kindergarten because you read so well. Mm-hmm. And you were supposed to color a bird. Yes, that uh, I'm a colorist. Yeah. And I'm... Not very skilled at drawing, you know, I'm, I'm not a technician, but I do love color. I have a deep 
love for color. And it all came from when I was in kindergarten, because mm-hmm. uh, I, like you, was an avid reader very young. And my mother taught me how to read at a very young age. So I was reading third grade level in kindergarten. Nice. So my teacher would put me in the corner to paint with tempera paints um, while she taught the alphabet and stuff. So my mother thought, oh, how cute. I'll buy her a little artistic uh, beret and a little smock, and she'll be a little artista <laughs> and everything. And So I'd be over there in my little smock and my, uh, my beret. And um, one day my teacher gave me a printout, a mimeograph, and it said, I'm a bluebird, paint me blue. Oh, nice. Well, here comes a Chicana says, I like red. I'm going to paint it red. (laughs) (laughs) So I painted it red, and before I knew it, I I, uh, had painted the table and my body. I painted the floor. Everything was full of red because I heard the color and I felt the color. I got absorbed into the color, and I just got lost in it. And before I knew it, I look up and my teacher's screaming at me, you made a mess, you will never paint again, and everything. And I was just like, oh, I see her mouth moving. I could just go like, whoa, 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 whoa. It was like you were on peanuts and then the parents. I was in another world. Wow. um, So she never let me paint again, and she put me in the corner to stare out the big windows at our schoolhouse. And... uh, I then thought, well, if that's what red sounds like, what does blue sound like, like the sky? So I'd start the sky till I could hear it. And then I realized that I had this condition where I could hear color. Nice. It's called synthesia. But I didn't know everyone else didn't have it. Wow. So, that, so that was like you really set your path early. That was my awakening to color. And years, it's taken me years of exploring color and, and feeling it and hearing it and um, it has a sound to me. And also, when I hear music, I see colors. Oh, wow. So, That's a wonderful place to take a break. We'll be right back with okay. Paula Lopez. Thanks, Inez. This is Patrick Dorsey, publisher of the Santa Fe New Mexican. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Conversations Different with Inez Russell Gomez. Great local content is only possible with a talented staff dedicated to bringing you the best local content possible. For that staff to do its work, we need your support by subscribing to The Santa Fe New Mexican. If you're already a subscriber, thank you. And if not, there's never been a better time to subscribe. In addition to our home-delivered newspaper that comes with full digital access, we also provide digital-only subscriptions for SantaFeNewMexican.com. We'll also be releasing more online-only audio and video programming moving forward. The Santa Fe New Mexican has been here for nearly 175 years, and we want to continue being your source for local news and information. Visit us at santafenewmexican.com slash subscribe or call us at 505-986-3010. Thank you. It's a new day in New Mexico, and the doors to boundless opportunity are open as tens of thousands of New Mexicans reach higher to pursue a dream, broaden their horizons, and retrain for a better job. With the New Mexico Lottery and Opportunity Scholarships, you could build yourself a better future anywhere in the state. You put in the hard work, we'll help with the costs. For eligibility details, visit reachhirenm.com. Welcome back. We are talking to Pola Lopez, artist, muralist, and fellow Las Vegan. I want to go back 
to the power of murals. Because I think, you know, the 1970s are a long time ago nowadays. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how many New Mexicans or Santa Feans know what was happening both here and in Las Vegas. I mean, I remember we had just moved to Texas and my mom reading that they were flying the Mexican flag over the the student union building at Highlands and the Brown Berets were marching. So it was scary to the old people a little bit, but it was also really exciting because there was a sense that in their own town, Hispanos were not going to be second class to anybody anymore. At least that's what it felt like. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Um, In our school, they did fly the uh, United States flag upside down and the Mexican flag on top of it. And um, my father didn't like the word Chicano. He said, oh, no, we don't like that word. So a lot of the elders didn't like, they felt threatened by it because they were kind of maintaining the status quo that we're Hispanos. And the Chicanos were all about finding their identity and connecting to their history. And um, they were very political. So I think people were a little scared at first of them. So um, I never found a real strong movement. There was a movement in New Mexico, Mm -hmm. but it it was very subdued, kind of underground. So that's why I moved eventually to L.A. to look for the Chicano art movement. Because I have a big mouth, and I thought, well, I'm a Chicana. I have a Chicana voice. So, and you want to go to the I place wanna, where it was, yeah. yeah, where it's really celebrated. Mm-hmm. I remember really vividly reading uh, El Grito, the mm-hmm. paper that covered the movement. And there's a picture of Douglas Street, though, in Las Vegas, right in front of the Safeway, mm-hmm. by where the Spick and Span is now. And oh my gosh, it was full of people. Mm-hmm. So. I guess compared to Texas, uh, which you couldn't even talk out loud practically if you were Mexican-American when we moved there, um, this was just seemed incredible. And, and mural, the art, was such a part of it. And I don't recall how many political movements are also art in the streets. Right. Well, you know. it was the in California uh, during the 70s when they had the farm workers movement. Right. The Chicano art movement kind of supported that. So they came hand in hand. So there are a lot of artists that I met in California, like Barbara Carrasco and other artists that worked with uh, the farm workers movement with Cesar Chavez. And, right. you know, they provided the artwork and the posters. And nice. It, 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 that's how it blossomed. Right. And people became aware of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was always very proud when I found out that Dolores Huerta not just was from New Mexico, but she started a school at West Las Vegas schools as well. Right. And you know, I met, I got to meet her. Oh, they, when, uh, she's a great lady. She's yes. so active and she's still going strong. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I was very I, proud of her too, being from Nuevo Mexico. Yeah, I interviewed her once here and I didn't take a picture with her and I still feel like a dope because it was in the days of selfies. Oh. But I was just like so in awe to be in her presence. It was it was pretty amazing. Um, so you you go to Los Angeles and you work and you, you succeed. You do murals, you do teaching. What was that like coming from New Mexico to you know, the kind of the origins of, of this art form that you love? Uh, well, uh, right out of high school first, I started like um, six years later. Mm-hmm. I opened a gallery in downtown Las Vegas, my okay. hometown. Nice. It was the first gallery on the plaza, okay. on the Plaza Vieja. It was called La Galeria de Colores, okay. the, the Gallery of Colors. I have and been And so there. that's how I, I'm self-taught artist. So right. I didn't, I didn't, I'm not an educated artist. So um, I set up 
uh, my gallery there because it was my father's building and it was an old horse stall. And he said, put a roof on it and go learn to be an artist. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> so I was there about eight or 10 years trying to uh, figure it out, you know, reading books and stuff. And then I figured I needed supplies. So I started selling art supplies to the university so I could have my, my materials. And then so we had a gallery and we were, I was moving along. And then um, these artists from Santa Fe who were doing Cinco de Mayo shows at Highlands University were driving by and they saw me and they came in and they said, hey, you want to join our club? And I said, what club? They said, La Cofradía, the artists. Y artesanos hispánicos de Nuevo México. Whoa. The Rio Grande. <laughs> it was La Cofradía for short, which means the brotherhood. Right. And so I said, sure. And they gave me a card. They even had cards made. And they were artists um, um, who were, it was Fred V. Hill and Luis Tapia and Wilberto Mierra who were starting their, um, their, their, their own movement because they couldn't get shown in the galleries in Santa Fe. Yeah. So we started our own movement, and we started having, for 10 or 12 years, we were a very active organization, and I was the key point in Las Vegas. And we would gather all the communities like Santa Fe, Taos, um, Las Vegas, and all the surrounding, Española, and we would have shows, community shows, and we would have big events and stuff. And that's how we started to learn who we were and what we were and develop our art and create a market for it because there was no market for it here. There was a market for traditional art but not contemporary art. And that's fascinating because here you are, your own town, your majority, Mm -hmm. you know, in the state, in in your cities, and yet no one thinks what you're doing is interesting and you have to show them that it really is and that it matters. Oh yeah, we we got a lot of attention and they gave us a show at the Fine Arts Museum here in Santa Fe the first time they ever showed Hispanos and then uh, Gene Autry took us to LA and gave us a show there we opened a lot of doors yeah, and then but then we fizzled out, and at that point I had moved to Taos, um, and I had an art supply store there for a few years, and then I moved to Santa Fe and had a studio downtown here nice. in Santa Fe for a few years, and then nine eleven came, and things got weird. Yeah, and it was hard to make a living doing was, anything yeah, practically. It was really hard. I had a studio on San Francisco Street, and um, you know so. Uh, one day, uh, this curator from L.A. came into my studio and said, oh, wow, Chicana art, where else can I see it? I said, this is pretty much it. <laughs> and he said, well, I'm doing an Atzlan show in Pomona. Will you come and participate? And you can stay with me and my wife, and I'll introduce you to all the top dog Chicanos in L.A. And I'm like, I'm so there. I'm right there right now. You right. Know? So I went. And uh, I went to this exhibit. I did. He introduced me immediately to everyone. And... Uh, I had I found my Chicano community, so I just came home, packed my stuff, and moved right. over there to LA. So one of the things you could have a third rule is seize opportunity. Like when you see it, you don't sit around and think, "Well, should I do that?" You just go. Yeah, don't judge it. Remember, yeah. Yeah. I just go through every open door, and nice. because I feel like spirit leads me through that door, right. so I I don't judge it. I just go. Yeah. So that's it's part of listening to that inner voice. Or the spirit, if it's an outer voice or whatever, but just really going with your gut when it happens. Yeah, going with your intuition your, yeah. and your heart. Yeah. Yeah. And so I went there, and I was there for 16 years in L.A., and um, 
I did meet all the top dog Chicano artists. I became part of the community, even though they're a little threatened by me because I was the outsider. Right. Like, what are you doing here? You know, how they're very, like, uh, territorial. But they embraced me, and um, I was very successful there. I had two studio galleries and museum shows, and I then started teaching Right. Which I know I didn't think I could teach art, but I, I was hired to teach with several not-for-profits, and I worked with kids at risk, and that's when we started doing murals. I started doing murals in the community, and also with the kids in the probation camps and wow. and continuation high schools. And that art has a huge impact on them. Do you think? Do you ever think about maybe you're someone Sam Leba that you're maybe changed lives? Oh, someone's Sam yeah. Leba. I don't know. I hope so. You know it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think about that when I'm working with the kids or stuff. I'm just trying to teach them that art is medicine. I'm trying to help them because especially kids in those situations, they have no way of expressing themselves. And once they learn that they can express themselves through art, they get a confidence. Right. And, and it changes something within them, you know. And I, and I tell them, I'm just telling you this because I know art is my medicine. Right. So, and it's a much more healthy way to express yourself than a mm-hmm. fist fight or shooting somebody or mm-hmm. doing drugs or whatever. Oh, it's like a meditation. You yeah, know? It, I agree. It's it's a good thing. Yeah, we'll take one more break, and we'll be back with Polo Lopez in just a minute. My name is Maria Jose Rodriguez Cadiz, and I am the Executive Director with Solace Sexual Assault Services. Our mission is to prevent sexual violence and empower survivors of sexual violence through restoring dignity, strength, and resiliency. For almost 51 years, Solace has reduced the impact of sexual violence. We do it by focusing on human rights, social justice, hope, and dignity. We believe survivors are experts in their own experiences and acknowledge that empowering them is crucial to their healing. Our advocacy, forensic interviewing, and therapy services are centered to their needs. Our sexual violence prevention programs in schools and community is just as important. Please check our website at findsolace.org. And if in need, you can call our 24-7 hotline, which is 800-721-7273. Your support is crucial to the lives of survivors. Thank you. Gracias. We are back at Conversations Different with artist Pola Lopez, who's talking about her time in Los Angeles, where she became an integral part of the Chicano art community, did murals, taught kids, and worked with at-risk youth in a way that uh, probably changed their lives the way hers was changed back in high school. She is back in New Mexico, and uh, if you're curious about the work she does, you can see it at polalopez.com. It's online and uh, really I think you'll enjoy it if you, if you take time to, to go to that website, polalopez.com. Um, I thought of talking to her because I was driving um, down 
Baca Street and saw a brand new mural at the intersection of Hickox and Baca. And it is, like I said, it was stunning. It's red. It's got the symbols of both the indigenous and the local Hispano culture and the, the probably the broader Hispano culture because the Guadalupe is in there. And I wanted to talk to the people involved. And, and, and as it turns out, because Santa Fe is a very small place, uh, one of my, my niece, Autumn, is one of the three sisters. And she was doing it. And she says, no, but it's not really us. We're, we're carrying it out. And we got the artist. But you got to talk to Paula Lopez. So here I am talking to Paula Lopez. And I'd like you to talk about that mural and just how brilliant it is and, and you know what people should look for when they see it. Okay, thank you. Um, Yes, I had returned three years ago from L.A. because due to COVID. Okay. I lost all my contracts, and it, it was just people were dying around me. I was in Lincoln Heights. And, um, you know, so my daughter said, come home and, and just um, wait it out. Uh, so I came home, and um, I they contacted me. The Three Sisters contacted me. Three Sisters Collective, uh, local organization, and they said, hey, we, we heard about you from, I don't know, somebody they know in California, <laughs> Tina, <laughs> Tina and her father, and so they took me to have Menudo, and we talked about doing a mural, and I said, oh, I would love to, um, but it was late in the year, and then the next year, I created a design for them, and um, it was based on Native American storytellers. And uh, the center of the mural is the corn mother because I really follow the belief of corn mother and uh, corn is essential to our culture. So um, she's the corn mother storyteller at the center of the mural. And um, then it's got, it's a storyteller because the stories are important to who we are as far as our history and our present and our future. So on either side of the, the storyteller are the pottery shards that came from the the Pueblo a little ways down. There's an, there's a, an old Pueblo that on Nahua Fria, way down by the Reunity Resources okay. Garden. Where they have a farm, Where too. they have a farm. Yep. And that's where the Pindi Pueblo is. And Pindi means turkeys. So the corn mother... Um, is telling the story of how these young Native women at the Pindi Pueblo used to take care of the turkeys because it was oh, so nice. important to them. <laughs> and and they, this is important to the three sisters, in my view, because they were the first resistors to colonization. When the Spanish came in, they wanted to take over the turkeys and the corn and everything. So the young girls who used to take care of the turkeys ran up into the hills and hid them and protected them. So they were the first resistors and to and the first to try and maintain their, their traditions wow. and stuff. So one of the things that really fascinates me is that you paint from such a position of knowledge. Mm-hmm. These aren't oh. just symbols that, you know, we've all seen the Aslan dragon or, mm-hmm. or the you know, the bird and the different things, but you know the stories behind the stories. Right. And that must bring such a, you know, deep resonance to what you're doing. Yeah. I, you know, I like the cliche images too. (laughs) But, um, you know, I I also believe that murals have to tell a story, that my art should tell a story. Everything Mm -hmm. tells a story. So to give it more meaning, you know, because I know that color gives it a vibration and a frequency that affects you on one level, 
right? on an energetic level. But then the story affects your, your mind and your psyche on a whole other level. So they work together. So I always try and have meaning to whatever artwork I'm doing. And this was special because yeah. it's in a historical area of Santa Fe. Um, it tells about the, the history and the girls are trying to keep the history. And it tells about the fusion of all the cultures. So in the pottery shards, there's six pottery shards and it tells uh, a little bit of the past history, how the Spanish and the and the Mo- the Moors, the the black slaves that came with them, and the right. soldiers, and and uh, the Europeans and and the native people all kind of fused together, and and there's a Chicano image of the three-headed person, which is uh, the symbol of that, and then. Uh, we talk about the Raza Cosmica, how there's a prophecy that one day the Rainbow Tribe will come uh, after seven generations and they will save the planet <laughs> oh, <that's> <laughs> because <hope. laughs> they're they're in unity. They're, right. they're all one tribe now and it's every color of the rainbow. So it's many cultures together as one fighting for the earth. So there's that. And then it's it's very political. But And then there's the, about the missing and murdered women. There's a shard that covers that issue uh, because that's an important issue, uh, how women are being uh, taken and and murdered. And, you know, um, so there's also um, the land back, which is a big issue uh, because we don't, it's not like we want the land given directly back. It's like we just want to continue to be stewards of the land, be good stewards of the land. Mm -hmm. And New Mexico is going through a lot of, land issues, you know, with right. the, you know, radiation and, and nuclear waste and the forest fires and water and all kinds of stuff happening here in New Mexico. So I, I, we were affected by the forest fires last year, our, our land up in uh, northern New Mexico near uh, Mora, Sapio, Terremote, um, was burned down yeah. by the Hermit's Peak Fire. You know, so it's very personal for me, that issue. Um, so we need to actually start talking about this seriously. And, you know, we actually something needs to be done. Yeah. Um, it just barely missed my dad's house that he built himself that we had since sold. But I remember on April 19th, that Friday when it was going, and I'm watching it on the map, and it went through our canyon. And we are... In La Cebollita, which is not that far from your land, because yeah. Sapio was our address as well. Yeah. And I think about that. And my dad built the house in the middle of this meadow, and there's a kind of a cliff abutting it. And it stopped at the cliff face and didn't go through the meadow. It jumped on the other side mm-hmm. and in back of us, but the house remained. Oh, how fortunate. Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, was, we were at the center where the two met, the yeah, two fires met. And, the Calf Canyon and yeah, Hermit's Peak. Yeah, and the Hermit's Peak. And, and uh, we had a severe burn. We lost 90% of our old growth forest. And, oh. and you know, it, it was devastating to us. Um, but, you know, I was going to build my little studio off-grid there. I've been working on that since I returned from L.A., and now it's a whole different story. So now I've changed direction a little bit. But, yeah, um, yeah. so the other two shards have... The Matachin dance, which is the fusion of the Native American and Spanish colonial right. cultures together, where they worked together. There was a period when they got along <laughs> really well. And then uh, the other image on the shard is of the boarding schools, and it's nothing but braids on the ground. Oh. And um, that's also very personal to me because my great-grandmother was 
uh, had uh, her child taken away from her, my grandmother, and put in a boarding school and changed. We lost contact with her. She was a full-blooded Hikari Apache. And so this is all about our identity confusion and our conquest right. baggage and all this stuff. It's just us trying to know who we are right. so we can move forward from here because we were told a lot of things that were not exactly right. Oh, and, and almost every New Mexican whose family has been mm-hmm. here for many generations mm-hmm. has some Native blood. Oh, yes, and, yes, yes. And, it turns out we have over almost 70, 70% Native American blood. And the... We're always told when we're growing up, somos puros españoles. <laughs> That's right. And when we, I did my DNA, it turns out I have 2% Spanish blood. And most the the European blood we have is German. And the highest was the Italian. We that have so more Italian than anything. German, French, Asian, yeah. a little bit of all of those. But Italian was more profound. Well, a lot of the people who came with the Spanish were mercenaries, and they came oh. from other countries. Yeah, that's, so yeah. that makes that's, sense. See, that's they don't say that. It's it, they just go along with the Spanish, but yeah. it was very mixed, I think. Yeah, and it led to all of us living together. And I, I always say that we don't get along that well, but we're not killing each other. Right. So in that way, maybe New Mexico has something to teach because this isn't you know. 10 years, 20 years, 100 years. This is 500 years no, this is of about, coexistence. Yeah, this, is, this mural was about getting along and embracing all the cultures. And just like we can acknowledge the history, the true history, and still get along. Yes. And we're, we have a future that's being threatened, and we need to work together. And, you know, like someone told me passing by the mural, you know, people would shout things out or stop and talk to me. And a person told me one day, oh, is this only for indigenous people? And I said, no, (laughs) this is for all of us. And if you're born on this planet, you're indigenous to this planet. That's my attitude. I love that. Well, I interviewed Roxanne Swensel, the a lady from Santa Clara who's the food expert and this uh-huh. incredible artist. And I said, after 400 years, do we finally get to be indigenous? She goes, okay, yeah, you can eat our food too. <laughs> and it, it, it reminds me again that, that we've been here together for a long, long time. Yeah. And if we can't figure out how to coexist, and you're right, to fight our common enemies mm-hmm. and our common challenges then we're all going to live a lesser life. Grandfather Wallace Black Elk, his Mm -hmm. father wrote Black Elk Speaks. I did a sweat lodge with him once, and he's the one who told me, he said, oh, sometimes my people get mad because I share the knowledge with everyone. He said, but he's the one that said, we're all indigenous. I'll tell you a secret. We're all indigenous. I love it. I love it. So that's why I always say, because he taught me that. That's why I say that. Because I know, you know, sometimes people want to protect their spiritual knowledge and hold on tight to what they have. Uh, But you can't do that. There's no unity in that. And, you know, we need to reach out to each other. And that's what that mural was about. And the three sisters were great. You know, Autumn was all, she was there by my side. She was <laughs> just burying out the heat and everything. And uh, so I'm glad that I, I had the opportunity to, to create something for them that was hopefully meaningful. Yeah, it's sure is, it's special. And I hope everyone goes to see it. And uh, and the color's red. Yes. My color. <laughs> I was going to say, you never quit liking it's red, It's like a big you? stop sign, yeah. you know. And I told him, you know, the energy of this mural is to get attention. Yeah. That's why it's red. 
That makes sense. Yeah. And it's nice because people go too fast on that road. They so perhaps they will fast. slow down and, you know, enjoy the mural and not run mm -hmm. over anybody. Yeah. 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 We were scared when we were painting it that we were going to get run over. But no, we were safe. Thank God. I can see that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Paula. Thank I really you. appreciate Thank your time, you. and I've enjoyed so much talking to you. Oh, it was my all my pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be back next week with another Conversations Different. You can find us at the SantaFeNewMexican.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Mm -hmm.